This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 6.5% was it? Is, is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round-by-round round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Chris and Clay's Canucks Commentary Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Light Force, joined virtually once again by Clay Emo at Canuck Clay. Welcome, Clay. How goes the battle? Chris, this is amazing. This is a blast from the past. And uh, I know before we press the record button, we, we were sharing some fond memories already. You brought me back for an episode. I think it was exactly a year ago. Um, about that. Over, yeah. But this is this is legit, man. We know Matt to try and worry about. It's just me and you this time. Yeah, it was actually, you know, a year ago we had sort of our holiday special. It was like a, uh, I called it a mixer, I think. We had just people dropping in, coming in and out. We 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 streamed it. I had actually wanted to do something like that again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, coordinating last year was tough. And then when Anna, you know, found the opportunity to go home, she had not been back home for a few years, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, it made sense, obviously, she'd get there and, and that just sort of left me. So I was like, okay, well. I feel bad not executing on something I sort of suggested I would do, but the next best thing is obviously getting you back on the, in the fold. And then I'm sort of thinking back, well, we had, you joined Matt and I like one summer where yeah. I think it was episode, was it episode 200? Actually, that's the one I was referring to. I, I completely forgot about the mixer. So oh. yes, both things. Yes. Yeah. So we've actually, this is episode, I want to say 301. So uh, you bring so, me in every 100 episodes. It sounds like. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the trend. Actually you came back. So there was between 200 and 301. So yeah, every, every twice, every hundred episodes, I guess is the way this goes. Awesome. Anytime, man, you let me know. 
Yeah. But uh, no, it's good to, good to have you back. And it was a throwback. I mean, I bet you we have listeners today that have just presumed C4 was something to do with like an explosive. Oh, that's an explosive podcast. <laughs> it kind of was when you and I got together. Now, what were we joking about yesterday on Twitter? We, what was the new C that we had? Chris and Clay's Costco commentary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because well, we both you, went to Costco on yeah, Sunday. You as a good husband and me as a wannabe good husband, we support our wives. And not just support. We, we go with them to Costco on the weekends when we think it's going to be less busy on Sunday morning, trying to avoid p- getting hit in the parking lot, trying to get avoid mm-hmm. getting hit in the aisles. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yep. Well, you, you presume my wife went with me. No, she was still in bed. Oh, I let her sleep in and I had a Costco. So it was just me. Um, you, I, I guess, went to the Richmond one. I went out to Langley. Ah, Langley um, one's nice. Richmond one's, I think, I've heard it's the busiest one in North America. It could be. I think Richmond's problem is the parking lot so small now. Like it's, yeah. it's not big enough to support the amount of traffic, whereas Langley, it's a good size Costco, but it's also yeah. a bigger parking lot. And I've actually found more and more frequently I spend more time trying to find a spot at the Langley Costco <laughs> because I think there's just so many people and there's one in Surrey too and all that, but yeah. you know, we'll save that for a future episode of sure. Chris and Clay's Costco commentary. Yeah. We did definitely have some explosive episodes and I'm not talking about what we ate for dinner. It was, uh, yeah, it was, um, both of us getting our feet wet in this, mm-hmm. in the smoothest fair as we used to call it. And, uh, it was a lot I'll of fun. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, I okay, I, I don't good. let that one go, uh, but uh, we'll 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 reminisce a little bit uh, later in the episode. This show though is one week removed from some Canucks changes that I think caught not that it caught me off guard, but like if I go back two episodes ago, I had said, "Oh no, if the Canucks don't make changes coming home from that road trip, it'll happen in 2022," and changes didn't occur but then they did. So we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get your thoughts. Obviously the Canucks are playing hockey and hockey. Well, and, uh, I don't know you've been up to a whole lot since uh, we last spoke. So, uh, why don't we just start to uh, rewinding things a bit a week and one day ago, Anna and I got together and, uh, we recorded a show and I actually clay just to sort of let you in behind the scenes here. Anna was going to that hockey game last Monday. Mm. And as a result, we record normally Mondays. It's sort of been the thing with C4 forever. Yeah. And she and I decided the week previous, why don't we record Sunday night? That way we're not recording like just before she goes to the hockey game or recording really late after the game. And we just said, Hey, let's record Sunday. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen on Sunday. No. Like what would, especially considering we had that week that that show before said, if anything happens, it's going to happen like Friday afternoon, bad news happens Friday afternoon. And so word comes down the pipe that there is changes happening in Vancouver. Like Elliot Friedman's tweet that it is done. It's like, what? At first it was obviously Travis Green who'd Mm -hmm. been reported to be uh, no longer with the team. And that was like, what the heck? Why is, why is Jim Benning getting another coach? Like this makes no sense. And then obviously Jim Benning uh, was uh, without a, a role within the, the organization, but it was just a crazy night. I think all 138 Canucks podcasts <laughs> uh, all recorded emergency shows, except for C4, who had a plan to record our episode Sunday all along and suddenly had a whole lot to talk about. But, uh, you know, going back to that, that weekend, uh, how was it for you? Like, did you expect there to be changes? You know, I, 
Yes and no. I actually thought the changes, Chris, would happen, and I'm not alone in thinking this, back in mid-November mm-hmm. when they were on that horrible road trip where they got smoked in Colorado. They, yeah, they're giving up seven a night. Yeah, then they played good in Vegas for half the game. They got smoked, and then they lost, I think, in Anaheim. And then I think a lot of people thought that the changes were going to happen then. So for them to have to take another three weeks, a bit surprising, but ultimately in the big picture, no, not a surprise at all. Um, I do remember I was getting ready to go to church as I do on Sunday night. I, I think I lied down for like a half an hour nap. And then I woke up. My, it was my son, Sean, that came in and said, dad, did you see this tweet from, from Friedman? And sure enough, um, I got changed, did my little ep- uh, emergency episode of my YouTube um, vlog mm. and then made my way to church and then live streamed that night. And it so happened to be my biggest live stream ever because uh, of the excitement, the shock, the the anticipation of change in this market. Yeah. It was, you know, not as, as I think to your point, not as surprising. Thing. I think change was going to happen. Like mm. that road trip, I think everyone who felt change was going to happen felt it was going to happen then. And when it didn't, it's like, oh. And, you know, while it's possible that teams make changes while they're on the road, I mean, we've seen it here in Vancouver, like Pat Quinn uh, was let go when the team was in Washington um, to go way, way back. And so Vancouver has done its, uh, has uh, done that type of thing without people being back in Vancouver. Um, It's just not something that has happened frequently. And so again, I I sort of presume they come home, they're not going to play a game on the weekend and then make the decision, you know, Sunday. Yep. Now we've, we've since learned things were already sort of in the works, like wheels were in motion and that makes better sense that it wasn't like a, uh, one game decision though. Unfortunately, that one game was a game. You had a, a chant, yeah. um, that one could not be ignored on the broadcast and mm-hmm. two, a Jersey found its way on the ice. So it's not to suggest it's not a good look that the, you know, ownership group, Francesco Aquilini's family decided to to obviously make those changes on Sunday. It is. However, I feel weird that they did it like Sunday night. Yeah. Like that was the part, like if you were going to make changes, would they not have occurred like first thing Sunday? Maybe they did. And then it was just word trickled out or would you wait until the Monday and you know, is what it is. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. I think actually they wanted to wait till Monday morning. I could see a press release, right, at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. Hmm. And then they'll be ready to go with media at 11, whatever it was. But I think because, and, and we know the world we live, we're part of it, where it's guys trying to break stories and people trying to react to stories. When Friedman got it out, and then you got you have the local ones like Satchar and Irf Gafar and uh, confirming yeah. it, it just snowballs. You know this. And then yeah. I think they they were already behind, but they still want to try and get ahead of it as ahead of it as they could. And then they could simply, they couldn't simply wait till yeah. they try that again. They simply couldn't wait till Monday morning. They had to go Sunday night. What was ultimately the time? Like Maybe nine 10, or nine 10, 30? 10, 10, 10 30 at night was when the Canucks release went out. Wow. Okay. So right. they couldn't like, wait another 12 hours. Yeah. Eastern yeah. media was asleep. So really, <laughs> is there any other media out there? I mean, wow. Well, and then, uh, you know, we'll probably get into this, but your, your, your first reaction when you heard about green and Benning, from a standpoint of, were you surprised it was both? No. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, so for me, I've never been a Jim Benning guy. Like, if I were to throw back to you mm. and I recording our <laughs> first podcast episode, it was when the Vancouver Canucks had essentially let Alan Vigneault go wow. and they hired John Tortorella. Because we we actually ended the episode of you and Maria um, 
doing yeah. the uh, under John Tortorella. Uh, wow. So this is back parody. in 2013. Yeah. Way, way back. Right. <laughs> and then that one season was crazy. And then obviously uh, Mike Gillis was out. Lyndon was in his, I think he was president of hockey ops. If yep. I recall. Yep. Um, Tortorella wasn't sure if he was going to be kept. Obviously he wasn't and changes all occurred. So we're almost going back to that point. Maybe you're removed where, Hey, you and I are getting back together recording a podcast, talking about changes. But <laughs> to the fact that Benning was out of the picture, that did not shock me. I, I felt that he had had a long enough tenure as a GM. I, I'm pretty confident you've seen the numbers. They're not in his favor for performance. Mm-hmm. He was one of the longest tenured executives for the Vancouver Canucks organization. And he had by far one of the lowest, you know, performances over the tenure. Uh, now, even if you discount the sort of two, two and a half seasons that are impacted by the pandemic, the team had not performed. And you had a, a executive like Mike Gillis, whose team missed the playoffs essentially, well, twice, if you count the year uh, at the end, but his teams made playoffs or went away from a cup and he's <laughs> not given the same league. So it was, it was just really weird. I felt Jim was done. I was surprised by green in so much that why rush things. Like if you're going to yeah. bring in a new executive team, you let them do what they need to do and make those decisions. You don't sort of tie a coach to a new GM, a new um, president of hockey operations, what it might be. Now, as we've learned today, um, Jim Rutherford, who we'll talk about in a moment, signed off on Bruce. Yeah. Bruce Boudreaux, the new coach. And uh, it's also come out that Bruce is on a two-year contract where the second year is an option. Yeah. Which I thought was a very shrewd negotiation tool because that allows you the out if that new GM comes in and says, really on the same page i think though after four four games they should sign him now but that's that's my opinion oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get this is the weird thing with rewind we'll get into the, the week that was because my goodness yeah. it's been a week now, um, one point of clarification chris as i was thinking about our history of c4 you yeah. and me and then i i just remembered the tortorella year it was still gillis because when linden came in it was actually the same summer that willie d and benning they all came in oh yeah no summer yeah, because yeah, when yeah. Linda took yeah when Linda had took over, uh, Gillis hired Torts. Yes, Lin- Gillis is gone. Yes. Uh, solidarity beard out the door. Yeah, oh that's Linden right. Linda eventually comes over, has a conversation with Torts. Torts is out. Yeah. Then yeah, Benning gets hired. Desjardins gets hired. There Off you go. the races we go. Yeah. All yeah. right. Sounds good. So um, Francesco uh, during his presser on Monday uh, with the uh, interim uh, GM Stan Smeal. Yeah. says, we're going to, you know, leave no stone unturned, long, exhaustive search for our next GM or president of hockey operations. If we bring in one person, I don't think that's necessarily the right way. Depends on who they are. Might have two, but they need to work together. And they had this like collaborative group. You had Stan Smeal, Chris Gear, Jonathan Wall, uh, Ryan Johnson, and... The Deans. Ah, the Sedins, yes. Yeah, five. Sorry. The big five. five. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, on that Monday, you know, it's like, okay, Stan, like I even referred to this on the Sunday show, like does Stan have a job for life? But then mm-hmm. I'm hearing at the presser and he didn't sound like he was really on board with where the executive group had sort of taken the team. And then in the subsequent interview that he had Monday night on Sportsnet during the broadcast, I think it became very apparent that Stan was maybe keeping his mouth shut until such time as he wasn't keeping it shut no more. And the collective Canucks Twitter was like, wow. 
this stand guy kind of is showing his passion here. Maybe he should be our GM. Yeah. And he was for two games. Best GM ever. Canucks <laughs> win two. Because what's happened, Jim Rutherford gets announced as the new president of hockey operations because that long and exhaustive search took what? Three days. Yeah. I know it didn't, but it's just like, before we talk about the Rutherford uh, yeah. signing, why would you go and say long and exhaustive in your prepared speech? If it like, you just simply say, we are looking for the right person. Yeah. It's like, you can, you can position in any which way you want, but when it yeah. comes to communication, the connects have not done it well in yeah. maybe the past couple of seasons. You make a really good point, Chris, because it's one thing. It's almost like by compensating, by not wanting to say that it's going to be quick, they went too far the other way by saying it's going to be <laughs> long and exhaustive. You're exactly right. They could have simply said, we're going to, they don't have to say we're going to take our time. We are going to hire, when we fire the right, when we find the right person, we will hire them. And that could intimate months. It could be days. But yeah. when we find the right person, exactly. But they found the right person. They just kind of mixed it up with the messaging of it's going to be long and exhaustive. Then you have Stan Smeal, who actually impressed me with his with his forthcomingness and his passion. And um, uh, but I've I've never seen him, Chris, as a like the full GM type of guy. Oh. And maybe yeah. I'm still scarred from the way he announced uh, Putzlovens, Vasilya Putzlovens. Yeah. yeah, well, we got to give him a, a break, I guess. But you can't you can't uh, you can't deny his loyalty, his passion for this team. So I I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever know what the true story was behind the scenes, what he was told, what he believed to be true. But obviously it became very apparent within four days, even though yeah, hmm. you're right. He went to an O that uh, he wasn't in the plans um, long-term. Yeah. Well, and I actually referred to this in C4 discord, but I started to wonder when the word that came out that Jim Rutherford was, was essentially taking over this, this present hockey operations role. Mm. Is Stan more an advisor to ownership, right? Like hmm. we, we occasionally see this sort of role, like you'll see the advisor to the GM or special advisor to the such and such. And I'm actually not entirely clear what Stan's role within the Canucks operation happens to be. Yeah. But it, if, if he had that advisor role, his voice may carry some additional weight. Sure. Wasn't he listed, Chris, as wasn't with, Jim Benning, didn't he have three AGMs? I thought it was yeah, he, he had, uh, Weisbrod, Gear, and Smeal, right? As far as I know, yes. But like the Smeal one, like I don't know for certainty, but I have this understanding that Smeal was maybe not part of the inner circle on, or Jim's inner circle. Yeah, that would make sense. Now, that may have been by choice or design or who knows what. Um, So that's why I kind of wonder, was he sort of there because Jim was told this is a guy that you need? but not necessarily Jim's guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're um, right on there. I think, I think it's, um, it's almost in contrast to what the Sedins might do uh, this hmm. with the Sedins. I can see not now, but I could see them taking really, really high end roles once they completely learn about the business and the, and the inner workings of the team. Those are guys. And who knows, maybe they don't want it, but uh, I guess my point is with, with Smeal, love him, loved him as a player, as an ambassador, community guy, all those things. But uh, even when he was named inter interim GM, Chris, I, I did not think he would ever get a oh. look at as, as the actual. Yeah, no, I, the only reason I even bring it up yeah. was that, that essentially one, you know, uh, interview during the broadcast where, yes. 
where he he showed like the passion on the sleeve. But I think I also look at how Stan was communicating and even at press conference, I'll give it to Francesco um, who was present. I feel that as an owner, he shouldn't be here all the time, but he needs to be here more of the time <laughs> to sort of be available to media. Yeah. Um, but Stan was a breath of fresh air and yeah. I have given, you know, Jim some slack here communicating, not his forte. I'm actually wondering what his forte might be. I'm sure he has one or more <laughs> than that, but communicating wasn't it. Yeah. Right. Like Mike Gillis, he was a, an articulate communicator, mm-hmm. but his ability to communicate in a fashion that engaged and came across as genuine was lacking. Yeah. Jim just didn't have the communication yeah. skills. So then you get Stan is just, I'm going to tell you how it is. It's like that blue collar employee in yes. the garage. that's going to tell you it. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I t- I, there's no reading between the lines here. Cause you drew them for me. Yes. Quick aside, hot take. Francesco Accolini is not as bad in front of the media as people made him out to be. Agree or disagree? I agree. I think I get the feeling that he's he's maybe not as quick on his feet when it comes to choosing his words. Mm-hmm. But when he is able to sort of not freestyle, but be a little more relaxed and engaging, he's yeah. really good to he's a good communicator in that sense. Sure. But when he gets the like we'll talk about Jim's presser today, but he got a question that he did not want to answer. And you could tell he was probably prepped with it. And as soon as it goes off the map, yes. (laughs) It's like, what, what, you know, what's the checklist here? Like, you know, it's like, I'm right. No longer, you know, just two guys at the bar. I know we'll get to, but when they asked the question, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this. It's almost like at first he didn't even hear it. He didn't know it was going to be, it was, he was distracted. And then you're right. You can almost see him verbally going. I mean, you can see him mentally going through the checklist in his mind. Okay. But we'll, we'll yeah. save that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where he goes off the rails. That's sure. why like, I feel like I don't necessarily want him to be on in front of the media day in and day out. Like, <laughs> he, he, he already gets punished for being a hands-on owner, whether or not he is. Yeah. Yeah. But he is right. When he talked about sort of the way things should work, owners own, managers manage, Coaches, coach, players play. And that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. I will maybe question whether or not as an owner, he may not maybe infer or articulate ideas just openly. But, uh, I mean, I feel he is still good at communicating on, let's say three quarters of, of what needs to be talked about. Yep. I'm with you there. And I think, uh, People are always questioning how much does he meddle? How much does he actually get involved? He's saying the right thing, saying no, exactly what you said. Owners, owners, managers, managers, coach, coach, players play. But um, even, I'm not sure you read the LeBron article in The Athletic where you talked, where they interviewed him as well. And they're still seeing, I don't know, meddling is too strong of a word, but let's just say I think he likes to be involved. And maybe oh, no. the, maybe that's okay because you want a passionate owner. I just don't if, know how much. If I was an owner, yep. I would be present. I would share my, like, I, I would open, openly share how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. right? Like I think I would, and I don't fault him for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't fault him in the family. I should, I mean, we, he takes a lot of flack being the face of ownership, obviously <laughs> being the governor, but, but Hey, if you, if you own a team, have at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is what it is. Um, Jim Rutherford though, he gets hired. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much were you surprised by the hiring, but do you feel Jim Rutherford is the guy the Vancouver Canucks need? I think when you look at his track record, Chris, two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh, one in Carolina, 
you can't argue with that. Admittedly, those were as a GM and not as a president of hockey ops. But I agree with what a lot of people have been saying. If you pair him with the right guy, and when I say right guy, it's basically anyone who's younger than him, which is almost everyone, including you and me. Um, I think it's okay. I think if you hire someone who's more forward thinking, maybe analytic, although Jim actually, I'm not saying old guys can't appreciate analytics. I, I think he does. But I think if you pair him with the right guy, he, he's fine. I like I liked how assertive he seems. I like how direct he is within his communication. But he said all the right things today for me. He said he wasn't looking to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. He doesn't want to trade away first rounders. Um, he loves Demko. Petters, Demko is the one guy he mentioned on his own, right? And mm-hmm. then he was prompted for PD and Hughes. At, but I, I did like how he's, he's basically said he's going to build his hockey operations team first before he starts tinkering what's happening on the ice. So honestly, man, the first for a first time in front of the media, I liked everything that he said, but I, I, he's, he's direct in his communication and I, I shouldn't really make fun of Benning's uh, you know, public speaking skills or lack thereof. He's a passionate guy, loyal guy, but um, it was, it was, we use this term a lot, but it was a breath of fresh air today. It was. And I, you know, I think you're right, Jim. It just wasn't like they were asking Jim to do something. He just did not have the skill set for that's mm. not his fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Jim Benning would tell you that I'm a clear and concise communicator. Right. But yet it was unfortunately part of the role. And once Trevor Linden was no longer in the picture, they never went and found someone that could. And that's why I think we saw Travis green come out often in situations where it was probably better suited to a GM or an AGM. Like that's the weird thing. Yeah. They could have like, I mean, it wouldn't have been good to throw Daniel or Henrik out there. Let's be honest. (laughs) But, but like, you know what I mean? Like having someone who could at least be the, the communicator it's, it's look at the NHL. I mean, yeah, Gary Bettman is the face and the voice, but there's a reason why, you know, daily comes, you know, Bill daily gets trotted out once in a while too. Right. You need that sort of that, you know, backup and the Canucks, they lacked that. Um, as far as Jim's hiring, mm-hmm. I would have preferred the long and exhaustive, but I understand this had been something that had been going on for a few weeks now prior to the decision actually being made. I don't necessarily have anything against the Rutherford hiring. Yeah. So long as to your point, they bring in a complimentary piece as GM, someone who can sort of be the yin to the yang of, of what he provides I am wanting the Vancouver Canucks to be a forward thinking franchise. Mm -hmm. Like I would love for them. And I, we've talked about this on the show with Anna where like the Seattle Kraken, not so much in the hockey operations side, as much as maybe other teams or they could, but they are looking at just being not so much different for the sake of being different, but providing an opportunity to people who would have otherwise may not have been able to get that shot. I want the Canucks to give that, you know, opportunity to someone. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and that's where that jam comes into play. But if they don't do that, then I would like for whomever comes in to be maybe that caretaker for a couple of seasons to then sort of help that transition. If it's just a mentoring opportunity that exists or, or something like, I just want this to be sort of that reset so that Canucks can be different. And I, I, I look back to the, the Gillis era and while he had his faults, the Canucks were doing different things and look at the success that they were able to drive from it. And the fact that what they did at the time, other teams started to do, unfortunately the Canucks looked at what beat them and decided they wanted to be more like that (laughs) and it didn't go as well. Right. So yeah, they weren't built for that. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 
No, you make a really good point. Isn't it crazy how we come out of here? By the time the season ends, we'll have a new head coach, a new general manager, and a new president of hockey operations. Talk about a clean sweep. I do think the thing I find fascinating too, Chris, is you you talked about earlier in the episode that Boudreaux's got this year plus an option year. So at the max, two years. Rutherford is already 72. I can't see him. Well, who knows? Do, do we even know how long? It's three years, right? Rutherford's three years. I think he's on a three-year deal. Okay, so do you hire a GM for only two or three years, or do you give a four, five, six-year contract to a GM and he basically outlasts the president and the the coach, which, which is fine. Ultimately, the GM will, will speak into a lot of things as well. So that's, I think, another interesting thing when you're talking about, are you going to go after an assistant GM right now, try and get permission to talk to other teams and look at a, a longer term versus short term, or do you line it up where it's only three years, the same term as Rutherford? So then again, you have a chance for another clean sweep three years from now. Yeah. So many factors, so many interesting nuances for sure. Yeah. If there's something I liked from the Rutherford uh, interview though, is he said that well, I'm not going to be rushed into this. Like yeah. this season, it, we're going to evaluate it. Yeah. We'll have a better idea come the end of January, what things will be like. Hmm. But I, I just, I think if we consider this team on paper should have been better to the, where they are today. Yep. This past week, notwithstanding. And, you know, things didn't work out now. Yes. We're seeing sort of string of games really turn out well, but I like that the, the approach is like, okay, this could be a flash in the pan. Let's be smart. Let's not put ourselves into a, a problem because what's not to say Rutherford comes in and says, yeah, this is a good team. Like everything that Benny had told us <laughs> made those deals, you know, dra- uh, trade those picks and, you know, anchor the team. Like, you know, I think, they're actually doing smart things and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that as a fan. Like, I think I would like them to be successful, but if they have to go and hit a button to reset and do it right, I am going to still be around for that. Good. And I, I think the key for Rutherford is he's got to be able to, to assess that the team probably isn't as bad as they showed for the first 20 games, but maybe it's not as good as the team that's rattled off six of the last seven, albeit mm-hmm. against some weaker teams. So his he's got such a vital job, Chris, in that he's got to come in and be able to see exactly who this team is. And that's when he's going to start to make it, put a stamp on this team. And we know his trade history with Pittsburgh. We know... Uh, one player a month. Yeah, they, yeah, or so, one trade a month, sorry. That's so crazy, so crazy. And I think a lot of fans here would be would be for it, but... Uh, it's no surprise that players, uh, they they know that they're many of them may be either on their way out or at least being evaluated. So it's no surprise. Yes, Boudreaux has been great. New system, new style of play. But I think the players themselves have uh, pulled up their collective socks and, and mm-hmm. uh, they know that they're being watched and evaluated too. Yeah. Before we get into the week that was, let's talk about the other two changes that happened. Um, so shortly after being brought into the advisory committee, uh, Chris Gear and Jonathan Wall uh, we're both, um, shown the door, uh, yeah. by, by the team and, uh, a couple of things that I found interesting. One, the quote came from Stan Smeal, not Francesco, which, okay. That is interim GM makes sense that the guy in charge makes that decision. But then the question is like, would you not have your president involved to make those decisions? Or maybe he was, and he identified those two as people he didn't want you had this back and forth and sort of the connects social media or smealosphere as we call it, where, Oh, it's clean slate. They were Jim's guys. And you have others who are like, no man, they were connects lifers. Hmm. And in the interview today, Jim was asked this 
And his answer was, that had nothing to do with me. I'll have to ask Francesco. <laughs> it was very direct. <laughs> yeah. So one, it showed that Jim ain't taken the fall necessarily, yeah. but two, yeah. I genuinely wonder what it was that either Stan or whomever saw within Chris Gear and, and Jonathan Wall as being a problem that needed to be dealt with now. Like Chris Gear was arguably the capologist and yep. the connection without one. That question came up and it's been inferred that the league is providing a little, you know, help on this. Side. Good old central registry. <laughs> right? Like, okay. Um, analytics obviously being a focus. Jonathan Wall was in charge of that department yeah. and him being out. So that question came up to Jim and Jim's like, I'm not against it. I just, yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem when someone says I'm not against it, but I feel like by saying I'm not against <laughs> it, you're actually trying to say that you're not for yeah, it. Yes. Yes. Otherwise you'd say you're for it. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's okay. Like to say, Hey, I'm totally into analytics. I feel they're a piece of the puzzle, Yeah, but when you come out and say, I'm not against this, but yeah. Okay, cool. It's just like, Hey, Clay, you're dressed really well today, but those shoes, let me tell you, poor decision. Yeah. Or even better yet, uh, you're not dressed poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So here's the thing with, with wall and gear, they both, uh, superseded or whatever preceded, Ben and getting here, it wasn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of them twenty years and one of them twelve years or something. Or is that uh, yeah, twenty I mean, years? Gear, gear, gear had been around forever. Like he was talking right. about Victor Debonis and his okay. his farewell. Um, that was it. like when he posted the farewell yes. sort of tweet, and people are like, oh my god, he's not thanking Stan. He comes out and thanks Stan, but it's interesting. He does not say anything about Jim mm-hmm. um, or Weisbrod. Yeah, actually, what did Weisbrod do? Do you uh, know? No, my, if you find out, let me know, man. We can do another okay. episode about that. <laughs> so yeah. The way I, I love how you brought it up, Jim Rutherford, he flat out didn't BS. He just simply, he literally pointed and passed the buck or passed the imaginary buck to Aquilini. And Aquilini, I think he tried to say that it was his decision and that he wanted a fresh start. Or And I guess he still equates gear and wall with the quote, old regime. And there's mm. very few of the old regime that are remaining. So yeah, you, you, you're right. You heard that Chris gear had to do with a lot of the contracts and we like so many of the contracts that we've heard of in the past three years between Hughes, Pedersen, Demko, Garland, even uh, you know, the Horvat one, maybe Besser was the, the one funky one, but uh, that they're going to have to face at the end of the season. So yeah, gear did a good job. And, and as analytics have become more prevalent, certainly um, Jonathan wall was gaining some prominence as well. So uh, very surprising. Very surprising. The ti- This whole week, timing-wise, uh, oh, I'm glad you... Crazy. Yeah, it, it's been nuts. And if, if it could actually make for a good documentary of some sort, if someone actually tried to piece it out. Yeah, maybe watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so, Once you do that, you're not you're not doing anything else between four no, podcasts no. and... Not like- oh, exactly. <laughs> I'll just do the, the behind the scenes, where I'm not actually behind the scenes. Yeah, Love well. it. Uh, um. So here we have all these changes happening, but one thing that has been also occurring is the Vancouver Canucks have been playing games Yeah, and we now have the most winningest coach in their first four games that were like, no, no coach for Vancouver has ever won their first four games yeah. from taking over the team. Um, Bruce Boudreau has somehow taken a team that Travis green had in front of him and manufactured a level of compete that Travis was struggling to find. Mm-hmm. You could argue the team was not buying the message that Travis was saying. You could argue the team understood that there was going to be changes and therefore they were simply 
mailing it in, which I, I feel as professionals, I don't think they necessarily do. Like there's this level of compete that will always exist. Yeah. But whatever it is that's happened, Bruce Boudreaux has somehow allowed this same group of players to do things that are reminiscent to sort of that very successful area. They're not, I'm trying to say they're the same team. This team has glaring holes. Like the blue line is not set up in a way that allows this team to be defensively sound, (laughs) but that's, but that's not what they're, they're going for. They're going for the, we're going to score more goals than you do. And we're going to get wins somehow. And that's been working because Demko has been standing on his head Mm -hmm. and the Vancouver Canucks are finding ways to get themselves a point. And then I don't know what it is about the Canucks and shootouts this season, but gosh, darn it. Yeah. They're good. They are. They just didn't get, they don't get an opportunity to get there all that often. (laughs) I think, um, I agree with you that the Canucks weren't mailing it in, but you could also say maybe Travis Green had lost the room. As much as I like Green, I think it was it was obvious because Boudreaux is a great coach. Yes, let's give him props. 10 out of his 11 full seasons, his team has made the playoffs. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So he's instilled an energy, a confidence, a creativity to their game and assertiveness, all those things. But ultimately, it's still those 20 guys um, that, that have to execute. So... It's pretty crazy how uh, the change w- would give him an initial kick in the pants kind of uh, kind of yeah. thing, but but to sustain that over four games and to to beat uh, a very strong team in Carolina, th- this team's for real um, for sure. Now, how real? They they kind of dug themselves a big hole, so they're even after rattling off four straight, they're still three games below, and you got to finish yeah. twelve games above to make the playoffs. So they have a lot they have a lot of um, ground to make up, but uh, it's exciting hockey, man. It's exciting. Well, and that's like, that is the thing that I have found most engaging is that I, I am at this point where I, I kind of want to watch the game where he's before yeah. I watched the game, but I didn't Yeah, like it was, it was, it was background noise and I was doing something else. Now I'm more like, Hey, what's going to happen? Um, you know, it's just the reason I sort of ask you like, what is it that Bruce is doing different than, than, than Travis Green was and there. There could be a lot, there could be not that much. Yeah. It was like this. Was it the second game when Lamico finally got a goal? Yep. Yep. And and you know, Bruce is like, sir, who's the guy that um scored his first in a while here? And someone's like, Lamico. Yeah, yeah, Lammy. The coach doesn't yet know his players' names because, in fairness, how could he? Yeah. Right? Especially a journeyman player or a young player he hasn't seen a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that he's like, Hey, Lamico, here's the three things you need to do and you'll find success and boom, he scores. It's just, it's just something about the energy is different. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe it's because the, his best players or the ones that are supposed to be his best players, like Petey and Bester, the two guys that we've, everyone talks about really are going to benefit from Boudreaux. Maybe because they are playing more confidence, it has that trickle-down effect. So maybe a Chason or a Lamico or a Mott or a Pearson mm-hmm. or a Dowling, maybe they have a bit more pep in their step too because they see guys like Miller, Pedersen, Horvat, Hughes, Besser performing. So uh, obviously uh, not a bad thing at all. And when you have guys like Myers and Pullman playing out of their mind last night, you know something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... The, so the blue line that I had given yeah. taking shots at has started. I mean, there, there's still, there are some holes and yeah. some, yeah. you know, gaps that are going to need to be dealt with, but you're right. We're now starting to see 
two defensemen, one who everyone suggests should be a forward and another one <laughs> who people question yeah. whether or not they're on the right spot in the ice. Um, they're, they're quitting themselves yeah. well enough that it's allowing the team to perform. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on just before we sort of segue into to half a half empty, mm-hmm. you being a music guy, probably appreciate that on Monday night when the, the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> were playing in Bruce's first game, the Lars Shiders happened to be in the house. Uh-huh. And the Lars Shiders, uh, as a group decided, let's go and, you know, they try to influence sort of the atmosphere. And I don't know, I'm, I don't know who, I don't know if it was talked about in advance. Cause like, as far as supporters go, groups go within the context of sport, um, they emulate a lot of what we see here sort of with like soccer, but l- not to the extreme, same extent, but they did. Bruce, there it is. <laughs> and now that has become a thing where every game, Bruce, there it is, which is a much better chant to hear on the broadcast than fire banning, <laughs> right? They're a little more positive. Yeah. Um, after the first game, Bruce was asked about it. He's like, what were they saying? And he's like, uh, Bruce said, he's like, oh, if I lose one, and Bruce, there he goes. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I like the fact that he's just like, man, I'm having a good time. I could give, you know, two hex about whether or not, yeah, you know, like it's just, he's just, he's good at communicating. But then two, we get into game four. <laughs> I really wish they'd stop with that darn chant. Which to me is like motivating Canucks fans to do it more. Like, right. I don't know if he's quite figured out the market yet. Yeah. That's not how you go about asking someone to stop here. You know, what's funny, Chris. Yeah. So as a music guy, I do appreciate, and uh, I kind of joke around about, um, you know, who makes up, who changes lyrics to popular songs and thinks it's a cool idea. And says the guy who's done three dozen parody songs, <laughs> but I will ask you, Chris, because I put this on my Twitter feed earlier today, Bruce Boudreau, is he what? 66 years old, right? Or something. Mm-hmm. So do He's you older. think he actually knows either the 95 South original Woot There It Is or Tag Team's Woomp There It Is? Do you think A, your choices are A, Bujo actually knows the song and that's why it annoys him, or B, he actually has no clue what these songs are and he thinks the fans made the chant up? So I actually think it's A, but I'll give you my reason why. It has something to do with the fact that he likes wrestling. Okay. Now, the reason why I feel wrestling is the tie-in is wrestling pulls from sort of pop culture quite frequently. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like he has been following like WWE for some time Yeah, that I believe he will have heard this before. Okay. I can't tell you necessarily which version, but I I actually think, and that's where I feel it's, it's how wrestling pulls on pop culture. Yeah. And if. If only that, that's the influence enough. I like that. So you're not saying uh, there's a particular wrestler or use it as this entry. You're just saying there's enough pop culture knowledge. I think, you know, that's a really good take. You're the first person who's tied in the wrestling because he did that uh, Kevin Owens reference uh, earlier in the yeah, week. Yeah, the KO. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. And, uh, you know, not a massive popular Twitter poll, but I got a few, a couple hundred votes. And right now it's 53% to 47% saying, no, he does not know the songs, but it's well, close. And I, if, if, if this whole interview and him liking WWE didn't happen, I would have said no. Right. I would have, I would have been like, nah, I just don't necessarily like that. That is critical thinking, my man. That is, I missed that about you. That was very good. Very good. Uh, one final thing. And this actually ties into a tweet, a callback of yours, that uh, the Canucks were winning games and you were saving money. <laughs> is there really a chance the Canucks make the playoffs? I know there is a chance, yes. but is there really, like you're, you're, you know, in the good looking, positive Canucks fan club. Of here, course. And, uh, so here's the thing, Chris, 
They have 26 points in 29 games. If they got to get to 94 points, that means they need 68 points in their final 53 games. I got that. Give them four overtime or shootout losses. That means I have them going 32, 17, and four. 32, 17, and four over their final 53. That makes sense. 32 and 17, that's 15. Essentially, yeah. two out of every three. Exactly. That, that means they're 15 games under 500. Uh, they got Sorry, they got to get to 15 games over 500. And that makes perfect sense because they're three games under right now and you got to finish 12 games over to get to 94. So mm-hmm. would I, four games ago, they need to go 36, 17, and four. And I'd say, no way, that's impossible. Now they're 32, 17, and four. Guess what? If they go six and three, Tall task, but if they go six and three for their final games of December, they have clawed their way back to 500 and they can concentrate on going three games over 500 for each of the remaining four months, which is not easy. But when you do it in digestible chunks like that, it's possible. Having said all that, despite founding the GLCPC, I still think it's a tall order because not only you're playing against teams that want to win just as badly as you do. So as much as this pains me to say, if I had to mortgage my house or lay down some money, I would bet against them making the playoffs, yeah. but they're going to make it darn interesting. How about I, you, my I friend? Think that's, no, I think that's fair. Cause I, I look at it this way. If the Vancouver Canucks in the past four games yep. had played the best in the league and got those four wins, mm. I might be a little more aggressively behind uh, so you're saying they've got a chance. <laughs> yeah. But I still have questions because, you know, good teams beat all teams. Yeah. And that's where we've not yet seen the Vancouver Canucks define themselves as a good team. Although they've even struggled to beat the teams they should have beat. You're right. Carolina. Until, yeah. Car- oh, sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Carolina is a top five team though. Boston in a fighting for a playoff spot, Winnipeg up there. LA. So uh, granted, every team is better than the Canucks right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... But they have, you know, Columbus, they're pretty good, but San Jose's faltering a bit. Um, Arizona, San Jose again. Got... Uh, there's a Toronto one in there. Seattle, Anaheim's good. Well, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they should beat Seattle. I mean, Toronto, it's going to be a hard game. Yeah. Um, I don't get the way the Canucks schedule works where they play at home, go to San Jose, come back, play at home, go down to San Jose, come back home. Like, yeah. Why are there two road trips down to California? Is it just to warm them up before the holidays? Like, <laughs> Give, yeah, throw them a bone a bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, anywho, uh, we'll take ourselves here a short break. You listen to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast on the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
take hitting out of the game. You Un- can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on that. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? And that because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Pettersson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. This segment was the clay segment. When Matt introduced half full, half empty, the the context was, is that you had always half full positive clay. Of course. And then you had half empty Chris and, or uh, Matt and Adam. It was more than half Chris. It might as well be half full, really empty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, But uh, I figured what better place to get to know what clay has been up to. I mean, I'm going to have to presume all of our listeners know. Uh, but, uh, what is it that you've been up to? Cause you know, for those who are newer to the show, Clay and I started this podcast mm-hmm. way back when, and then, um, eventually, uh, you'd sort of, you know, transitioned away, you became this YouTube, uh, celebrity <laughs> personality. And, uh, and now, I mean, you're a podcaster, uh, a YouTube celebrity, you're going to be on, um, you know, finding big jumbo or, or whatever it is. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny, Matt. Well, I saw the tweet with you and Kat. And, yeah. And, yeah. And so for those who don't know, it's, it's so uh, the the woman behind Finding a Big Country, she's doing something, plays in it, and immediately I'm like, man, there's a missed opportunity considering no one's been called Jumbo here in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Anyhow, sorry. What have you been up to? Thank you. Um from a Canucks content creation standpoint, yes, I've been focusing mostly on my YouTube channel and a lot of live streams two or three times a week, pre-game previews, post-game analysis, still a, a parody song here and there, but really just trying to build a, a genuine community. The, the subscribers are nice. The members, the paid members are nice. The comments on the videos are like, are nice, but I'm really enjoying building that community and part of the memberships Chris that I'm doing is it's obviously a way to support a, a bit what I'm doing but it's it's chance one a couple of the tiers I'm having one-on-one zoom chats with people and it's it's almost like ministry which is what I do for a full-time job it's getting to know people for half an hour getting to know their struggles their joys and their and what they're interested in and that's been the most redeeming part to me and that's that has nothing to do with the how many number of subs I have. That's just getting to know people and, and getting to know their stories. Having said that, I do have a couple of neat things and I can talk about them because I think when you release this, uh, at least one of them will be. So Marie, Marie Huey, a good friend of yours as well. And a cl- uh, my favorite collaborator when it comes to music, we are going to be on cameo for the next week. And we are, Ooh. yes, people can actually, we're not celebrities. We want to be celebrities, celebrities in our own mind, but people can pay $50 us and we will send them a 45-second personalized Christmas song. And then all that proceeds go to the Canucks for Kids Fund, which is a wonderful, wonderful cause. So that's something new. Something I, I, that you know about me is I, I try. I like to try creative things. I like to try new things. And sometimes they fail. Sometimes they succeed. But I'm, I'm going to try. I, I want to express my fandom in, in a creative way. The one with Kat, um, I'm not allowed to say what it's about. Oh, no, I'm not trying to. No, I no. just... But no, but I, I saw it. I, like, I can tease I gotta, it. She told I me I can tease it. it. I'm not allowed to say what it's about, 
um, and where it's going to be shown. But I can say it's about a very famous or infamous moment in time in Canucks history. What do you guys think? And had a few. yeah, yeah. And it's going to be on a network bigger than any of her other shows um, oh, wow. have done. And it's a network that maybe produces these documentaries quite regularly on a high profile. So we won't say it, but I think you probably know what I'm talking. It's pretty cool that she has this opportunity. Yes. She did finding big country interviewing Bryant Reeves in Oklahoma. And now oh, I love finding big yes. country. And uh, no, it's not about finding uh, Jim Benning or anything like that, but it's a, uh, it's another documentary that she's going to put her wonderful creative stamp on. So a couple of kind of neat things on the side, but most importantly, continuing to engage the Canucks community while trying to be a good dad and a good husband uh, alongside. The uh, thing I wanted to sort of point out is at what point do you just transform your uh, space in your house to look exactly like your car <laughs> so that when you record yourself in your car, it could be in your car or in your quote unquote car. That's true. Um, I could easily bring in one of the seats, although I'm not sure how I would drive it. And, you know, put a window in the back and, and do a green screen of the guy's house that I always film in front of. Yep. I think we're onto something. Yeah. I mean, wireless wave, uh, not that they sponsor this podcast because they don't. And if they do, I wouldn't get anything from it because it goes to the network. They had those like, I remember what model car in all their stores, but they had one in every one of their store back in the day. <laughs> this could just be you doing the reverse of that. Instead of it being the front of the car, you just have half the car in your your space there. Hey, I think you're onto something. You're always thinking. You're always thinking. Yeah, but it's it's got to the point now where even people who don't necessarily know who you are they know you as the either one of Canucks thumbs up guy yeah. or the guy who records videos in his car about the Canucks. I love it. And I, I think it was, it was the pandemic thing, Chris, and it was the absence make the heart makes the heart grow fonder. I don't do it for this, but now when I go to games, it, it, it sounds like I'm showing off, but it's, I'm just telling you the truth. I get stopped about 10 or 12 times a game now. You know, hey, Clay, or you know, I love your stuff, or you know, I'll get a lot of the thumbs up without them even saying anything, which is a little bit creepy now that I think about it. But uh, overall, it's nice. The, the recognition is nice, but if I can stop and have a, a genuine one or two minute conversation with that person, that's more important to me than, than, a, than a recognition. But yes, the, the thumbs up meme that, that went kind of viral back in April. That was a, a nice little added touch too. I, I haven't been able to use it a lot though this year until the last week or so. Oh, so I'd like to know what it's like if you were using it a lot because <laughs> you use it a lot. <laughs> well said, uh, well played, uh, touche, all those uh, words. You got me there. Yeah, just just wait till they, they're bound for the playoffs, man. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, well, no, I... you're going to come over to my house and probably pile drive me in, in my backyard. <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people out there that actually knows where you live. So it is possible. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't, don't announce that to your, your thousands uh, of listeners. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but no, it's pretty cool. And I, you know, I have talked actually about it on, on the show. Mm. Um, you recently did a live, a 24 hour live stream, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. I tuned in to, for a little bit. It was getting weird. Um, <laughs> when I was there, there was like, a, I think, a. a one of your daughter's dolls or something at one <laughs> yeah. point. And then you, you got up. I think I, I can't remember if it was like a, what exactly it was, but all that I took a screen cap of was your stream, an empty chair and a doll. Yeah. I think I did. I was trying to look at something in the closet or I went to the restroom. Cause that you do got to yeah. do that over the 24 hours. And yeah. Thank you, Chris. That one was, uh, 
Uh, it was just something different. Uh, talk about trying to do different things on my channel. I wanted to celebrate the start of a new Canucks season. That was the very first weekend. Mm-hmm. The Canucks had two games back to back. And most importantly, I wanted to continue to build community. And that was fun. We had a nice mix of media, friends, family members, music. And uh, I'm not sure if I'll do it again or uh, if I do it again, I won't do it for another year or so. But um, would you join me? Oh, yeah, I'd totally be there. To, Can I give you like the 3 a.m. slot? <laughs> well, I'm not Chris Faber. Wrong Chris. I'm a, Okay. Faber, he's young. Like I was actually talking about this with Anna. <laughs> Is I'm surprised that you at, at our age yep, yep. were able to go 24 hours. <laughs> like, well, it did I help. Chris, to do... It did help that I had guests on almost every hour, so that helped a lot. That yeah. in in theory cuts my talking in half, right? But there were a couple yeah. times where I was fading. I won't say who I was talking to, but it's uh, not because of them. But I was fading, and certainly during the last two hours when I had the game on, I caught myself dozing. But after 22 and a half hours, I, I think I'm allowed a a, a quick five second nap. Yeah, no, totally. It's, uh, and you know, it's happened to like streamers all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's just eventually you'll go on to like a Reddit live stream fails and there's clay snoring into his microphone or, or having a doll on screen for 30 seconds with, yeah, with no it, action. Exactly. Exactly. But no, I mean, it was, it's pretty cool. And I like how you're really looking at exploring Thanks. different things to, to engage the community. I know you had like the, uh, sort of meetup, uh, live event, yeah. uh, and then you actually streamed from there, which was was pretty cool. I mean, we've with our show, we tried to just we were starting to explore that, and then the pandemic hit. Yes, like we actually had like a, a live event where we recorded a show, watched a game. We had uh, a, a sort of another sort of like a oh neat podcast. I'll tweet up and and then pandemic. Yes, um, but it's I know it's something that we want to do, like Anna and I have talked about, but uh, not to the level of watching Anna and I for twenty four hours because. But you know, maybe she can do it. I could. But you and I together, we were cutting edge back in the day when we would record our vlogs video version from the hog shack in Houston. Yeah. I know CHB TV. I actually, you'll see me throw back to a holiday version of CHB TV. Cause I do this yeah. each and every holiday season. You, you can do it this year too. You got it. You got it. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to, I'll, I'll throw back to the original one. I'm not, I don't have the wherewithal to make something like that. Right. And I got to give credit to Ed. It did a lot of Ed Lau, you got it for us. Yeah, Ed Lau, yeah. yeah. Very good. But uh, no, those were, those were good times. Um, Back to the Canucks, though. Oh, yeah. So uh, you, you can't last... walk down memory lane for the next half an hour? No, we're not going to do that. Well, I mean, I sure, I totally love to, but I don't know if I entirely yes. our, our, our listeners, especially you know, it's like, why are these two old men yeah. just jattering on? Exactly. Last weekend, and I talked a little bit about the, the Benning era and the Green era, and I thought, you know what? Why not ask someone like Clay? Because your, your perspective is one of positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you're critical, you're still positive about it. Yeah. And I'm genuinely curious because you and I started up this show just before the Benning era came to be. Yes. And here we are coming together at the end of it. So what are your thoughts on what the Benning era would, the Benning would be era, remembered as? Thank you, Chris, for asking. The Benning era, I will say, was a failure. And that's strong words coming from me. But it's true. When, the, when you look at the sheer math of two playoff uh, appearances – I would that that's not good. I would say that um, his drafting was pretty good. Hughes, Pedersen, Demko, Huglander, Pukolzin, Besser, you know, some misses with Yolevi and Vertanen. But I say his drafting was was actually his strongest part, and that's probably not surprising given a how high the Canucks drafted and b his his history as a scout. But then it's the other parts 
Chris there where you kind of give them almost barely passing grades, trades, some good ones, some bad ones. Uh, UFA signings, pretty bad ones. You think of Myers and Erickson signing, re- re-signing RFAs. That's pretty good actually. So maybe RFAs and UFAs kind of balance each other out. And then I'd say his trades were just okay. So overall, he's just okay, but you can't be just okay. So I would say that Benning's tenure was was not strong. And I think it's a lot of had to do with the messaging too. We've talked, Chris, many times. We've alluded to the importance of good communication, strong, clear communication. Benning was never able to communicate a proper vision or he would be seen to be changing, right? Moving the goalposts, as we say, every time he yeah. opened his mouth. When it comes to Green, I thought he did well for a while with the roster that he had, but he seemed um, reticent to evolve and to change and to see where things were going wrong until it was too late. So I, I give green a tiny bit more of a pass than Benning. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with those two guys. Sure. Now there are some who would suggest that that Benning era was set back in time by the efforts of Mike Gillis um, there are a few that actually throw it all the way back to the Brian Burke era, um, which is some next level. Like, so no Harry Neal or Pat Quinn though. They don't go back that far. Well, I mean, if you, you go way, way back, I mean, I don't know where the line is drawn, but it's difficult. And so I, the reason I ask this is that I look at the Gillis era as a completely different era. Like Gillis was informed. We want to win. We want to win now. Yeah. And what did he do? He put together a team that was designed to do that. Yeah. And when it didn't, he himself had said, no, I, we need to, we need to reset. We need to make some tough decisions. And then uh, ownership made a tough decision or Trevor made a tough decision. Whomever you think actually happened to be the one to make the decision. Yeah. Uh, but Gillis, Gillis was no longer there. And so this common argument is like, oh, Gillis left the cupboards bare and Benning had to go and fill them. And you pointed out that he started doing that. Yeah. But I feel that while that might be true, it's one thing to put stuff into the cupboards. It's another thing to use what's in the cupboards before it expires. Yes. Yes. You're right on there. I would agree with that argument that Gillis, uh, Benning was hamstrung by Gillis if we were talking about one or two years after Gillis left, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you're okay. You need two or three years to redraft and build and everything. But you're exactly right about cupboards and expiry dates because it was seven to seven and a half years or eight years, whatever the total was. And sure. You could say after 2014, after Gillis got fired and Lyndon came in and Benning came in, you had Sedins that were still pretty good. You know, Kessler's and Burroughs, those guys still okay, but starting to Luongo got traded, all these things. So you could, you could almost excuse them if they had a couple of rough years. And then you could say, okay, maybe after the Sedins retired, you're still trying to figure that out. But over the span of eight years, they they didn't move at all. You could argue they got worse. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, the biggest indictment of Benning's tenure is, is he had seven or eight years to rebuild. And I don't think he did. Oh, I, no, he did. Well, no. I, I think, you know what it is, Chris? I think, I always say, I think Pedersen and Hughes artificially sped up the rebuild two seasons ago when they were so good. Yeah. So I, I think that's a tricky well, part too. And Anna, I've talked about it. If the pandemic does not happen. Yep. There's a fair chance the Canucks don't make the playoffs. Yep. They don't make the postseason. They're not as good as what they did. I genuinely wonder if the bubble had Jim in that leadership core think, oh, hey, man, we're ahead of schedule. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then then reality hits. Oh, we're actually not ahead of schedule. <laughs> we need two years. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a very astute observation. I agree with you. The the bubble artificially inflated how we viewed we viewed our team. Yeah, and you know, I I want to point out that even on this show, which Anna and I still will probably refer to it as the C4 Canucks Playoffs podcast <laughs> because it was all or nothing this season. Mm. The fact that it was all or nothing this season, I feel might have set the team back. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just like, I'm not going to knock the fact that we've got a good young core, but by the time that you're able to put this good young core to use, you'll have some older players who no longer really fit within the core. Yes. So whether it's Jim Rutherford or the next GM, some tough decisions need to be made. They need to shore up a blue line. Um, I can't see a future that includes, um, a Garland, a Besser, a Horvat. Like, I think one of those three, if not two or three are gone. And that's not because I'm trying to say I want to run them out of town, Mm -hmm. but you got to consider what assets do you have available to you that you can leverage to either get contracts off your books or contract friendly players who are actually decent in their role on it. You said Besser, Horvat, and Garland. Did you mean Besser, Horvat, and Miller? Or did you mean Garland? I actually mean, uh, so Miller, actually Miller's another name. Miller, I feel would be actually, I sort of put on, I think Miller's gone. You're right. And that's not, right. I just feel that he gets traded, but then the Besser yep. Horvat Garland is sort of your, your next tier group yep. of. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like there's like, there are fewer untouchables, but I just feel just because they're untouchable yep. doesn't necessarily mean you have something you can that te- like Jim's like, Oh no, we try to, you know, we've been getting phone calls. Like they've been calling us. Yeah. Because it's the way the league works. It's they're sharks. There's blood in the water. And they're like, frenzy time you you made there's i want to give you props chris because seven years ago you taught me something that i never even thought of we were talking about yeah you might remember this we were talking about yannick hansen and you were saying we should trade him now and i said why would you trade yannick hansen now he's like our connor garland now where he's so important right hmm. and you told me clay you have to think about where is hannick is yannick hansen going to be around when the canucks are going to compete for the stanley cup and I actually said, uh, I don't know. And he goes, that's why you trade him now because you you don't you got to get assets that are going to be around when we when we actually compete, not on these expiring contracts. And then you're the first guy who taught me that, and I kind of use that lens now. I don't know you remember having that conversation way back in the day. But the other thing is to 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 follow up on this young core Jim Benning's performance. If you didn't know anything about the the makeup of the roster and the salary cap, and you saw a team that had Demko Besser. Horvat, Pedersen, Hughes, those five key points, right? And, and then I think the problem with Benning is he never took those, he never built around that core properly. Erickson, hmm. Beagle, Roussel, Sam Gagne, remember that? Um, you know, Delzato, Pouliot. He never brought in guys that were that next level, that kind of in insulate the young guys but we're really good even ekman larson i love that trade for ekman larson garson but you give up ekman larson garland but you gave up three draft picks as part of that to do that yeah. so well the, yeah the thing about on the only i mean anna spoke about only on on paper for a season or two is good yeah. it's just it's the future that you mortgaged and the fact that his contract goes well into that same future right like there's it's it's a tough thing, but hey, if it works out now, like I, to be honest, and I'm going to say this now, yeah. I said it before, if Jim Benning had got a cup this season, I don't care what he does. I just want to, yeah. that's all I want. I don't care, right? Like next season could be the, it could be the dark days again. <laughs> the 
Canucks have a cup. Um, I, I just, it, it is, it's a difficult thing to understand as to sort of how he viewed what was needed, but I, you, you said it very well. He had a core that he had difficulty either insulating or building around, mm-hmm. um, for every Tanner Pearson, uh, on his first contract, not the one he got again, um, or a Tyler Toffoli who like, like, I still can't get over the fact that Montreal got Toffoli for numbers that I would have said, if you can get Toffoli for that, you sign it yesterday. Yes. Right. Like there's things that are just, why, what was the struggle here? Or in Jim's words, I ran out of time. Like you can't be running out of time, bud. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're right on. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it'll be his tenure will be signal as a tenure of lost opportunity. Now I'm going to ask you an interesting question. I'm ready. What is the darkest era of Vancouver Canucks hockey? Hmm. I have a couple and I, I think I know why you're asking this, but I'll answer first and then I'll let you, um, mm-hmm. I think the Messier era was tough because we had a stacked team with Messier. Beer- well, that 97 team. Didn't that Beery, McGillney, Messier, Naslin, and Lindy? Or sorry, not 97. Not, I think it was the 95 team, if I'm thinking yeah. correctly. Was it 95? It was, yeah, it was like Bure, McGillney, Messier, yeah. Naslin, um, Linden. Yeah. Like the, the roster was like, this is going to yeah. win the cup. So that part, yeah. that, that, bug, that part stings. I think um, back to the. Got times where like Rick Lee and Bill LaForge were trying to coach and, and our teams were, were stinky that way. But that was when I was younger and more in my teens. I think because I was 20, 23 years old in 1997 and I can remember vividly signing Messier and, mm. and then all the pictures of him uh, with his arms raised, we're going to do this here. I, to me, that was a very dark time. Why do you ask Chris? Yeah. Well, so that I've always said it's the dark era. Yeah. Right? It's the we, we we refer to a coach of the time as the coach that shall not be yes. named, right? Like, you know, if you wear a Messier jersey in town, it generates a conversation that is vitriolic in nature, right? Like, this is that period of time is the darkest timeline. Yes. Yet, it was more successful than the one we just got out of, mm-hmm. and I'm I feel that in if we we're being honest. The darkest era was probably the Benning era. But if there is one thing that was different, the Benning era produced the core we have today. Yeah. The darkest timeline produced nothing more than chaos. I actually, so Caleb stuff, Caleb. Yeah. Said, is that guy real by the way? Yeah. I don't know. I've there's, there are some that think it's an act. There's others that think he's real. I genuinely don't know. Okay. I, there are times when I'm wondering if this is someone like, is this Andy Kaufman as a Canucks fan? <laughs> I mean, you, you and I get the reference. Maybe some of our listeners don't, but if this so is you walk act, around wearing a neck a, brace, or like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a really good yeah, one. Right. Yeah. But Caleb had commented about, Oh, is there maybe that Jim Rutherford brings Jim Benning back? And I had and people are like, no man, it's not going to happen. And I was like, well, in Canucks history, there is a call here because the Vancouver Canucks during the McCarr fired Quinn as GM. Yeah. This is the one where they, uh, Stan McCammon, who was like the, the lawyer for McCaw flew to Washington fires, uh, Pat. And then, uh, a week or so later they get Pat on the phone. And they're like, yeah. So would you come back on an interim basis to sort of help manage a team and maybe coach? And Pat said, no, I don't think he said just no. I think there was more Irish vernacular thrown in. <laughs> 
but it has happened before. So let's not say this happier. But no, I just, uh, it, I, I, I think back to that era, it's always the dark time. And I think it will be because they didn't have the core. Right. Um, right. But what did Brian Burke do? Pulled off the trade. Yes. Yes. Or the trades right. at the draft. And just to close this loop, I, I, I think you're referencing this too, because we've seen a lot of debate over the past week of whether or not this was the darkest era, the bending era, this, mm-hmm. this, you know, but I think a lot of people who don't have the wisdom experience, not just of us, but who've been fans for longer than the past five or 10 years, they remember some pretty tough times. Yeah. Well, and that's like going back before our time. I mean, the Canucks were an expansion team yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And that 82 run was, it was probably more like the 94 run a blue collar team that just didn't know how to lose. Yep. Not necessarily a team that knew how to win. Yeah. Yep. And in 82, they ran up against, unfortunately, the Islanders who were a juggernaut. Yeah. And then in 94, at least um, we won a game. Well, we won three games in, in, in 94. Yeah. I mean, heck 94, Lafayette to post another direction. Yeah. And yeah. what's not to say that the parade was won with a cup, yeah. not a parade where, you know, sorry, I dropped the lid on the, uh, the Campbell trophy. You try to make me sad, um, man. You, you better pick me up before uh, we wind up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, as, as you know, I'm sorry, but here, you know, let's let's actually go. So, I, Clay, I don't know if you you have something similar, but we have a C4 text line. Oh, cool! And uh, our listeners can actually call in, leave a voicemail, or they can send us a text message. That's awesome. Uh, that number is 604-200-6201. That's 604-200-6201. And we got a text message from a friend of the show, uh, Lisa Martin. Okay. And so I just wanted to read it because our, our process is, is if you text us, we will read it verbatim. If you leave a voicemail, we will include it on a show. And uh, Lisa goes and says, hi, Chris and Anna. Happy holiday season from Lisa Martin living in Krakenland. I hope you both have a fantastic holiday. Here's to a better season. And uh, I mean, Lisa, she's been a longtime listener. Um, I, she listens to a lot of Canucks pa- podcasts. Um but uh, no, I wanted to, to share that. I mean, she is always so positive. She reminds me with her positivity of <laughs> Well, I think it's great, A, that Lisa took the time to wrote in. So thank you, Lisa. B, I think it's great that you take the time. You, you make this opportunity available for someone uh, to simply send a quick hello, message, question, affirmation, encouragement, challenge. And, and I think it's great that you're building up community. Um, and uh, so keep it up. That's, that's a really good idea. So if I phone that number, I don't get you or Anna then? Okay. No, you get a voice. Okay. Yeah. And then whatever you say gets played on an upcoming episode. Okay, I might do that later, actually. Okay. Uh, we did get a voicemail, however, and uh, let me just, uh, let me play it. We won a game on Wednesday. Then we won again on Friday. That's called two in a row. If we win again tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. But I call it BS. I don't know why they're suddenly winning now. I can't watch any of the games. I don't know if it's because they needed Bruce Boudreaux to yell the F word a bunch of times. Because if that was the case, I could have turned up and helped J.T. Miller out and dropped a couple of F-bombs for them. But they say change is as good as a rest, and maybe that's what it took. I doubt it's the news that Jim Rutherford has been announced president of hockey. It's better than nothing because literally we had no one in that role before, but you do hope that it's not really a long-term placement and he hasn't 
doesn't have too much effect on the general outlook because he's let's face it a bit of a dinosaur um yeah that's all i have i'm a bit perplexed by everything i suppose it's shootout results so we can't put too much weight on it we'll see what happens when we start playing some legit teams um but yeah pretty peeved at the moment that canucks are suddenly remembering how to win we'll see that what happens okay enjoy the episode that that voice sounded familiar so uh, so wait a sec chris if, if i if that's who i think it is she couldn't even let me have my one chance to co-host with you uninterrupted uninhibited i i know you're gonna have to you should send her a sternly worded letter or email i mean <laughs> at, might be quicker actually it was great to hear anna's voice and uh truth be told we we like to put actually it's one way as you know she likes to poke fun of me a lot on social media but to her credit she did come out and support me at the the pub night i know that uh secretly um she does support me and encourage me so uh, anna merry christmas is wonderful to hear hear your voice but let's talk about what she said yeah, so I mean, I think Anna raises a very, very salient point. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the yeah. show. Like the the Vancouver Canucks right now are on a run. I love the the call to Major League because mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who who knows this show, we are big fans of Major League, Mister Baseball, like all these old sports movies, <laughs> right? Like if there's a way to 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 involve them in the show, we can. Um, completely off the rails, Karate Kid season four drops December thirty first. All right, let me know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I think, you know, she, she's right. Like, I don't know what to make of the Vancouver Canucks right now. Mm. And we talked about it. It's like, you know, is this sustainable? Uh, I don't know, but boy, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the ride right now. You just nailed it because I was, I was going to say that I think because of not our responsibility, because you are a content creator, because I'm a content creator, People, I don't know how else to say that, are going to expect more than for us simply oh. to say, just sit back and enjoy the ride. Whatever happens, happens. But honestly, Chris, that's how I feel right now. And and uh, you can get in analytics or how many games do they have to win to make the playoffs. I kind of just want to see where this goes and see what Jim Rutherford does, yeah. right? Yeah, like, you know, the question that, uh, that Bruce got. So what do, you, what do you say after four wins? He's like, let's go for five. <laughs> I'm like, why not? Like, I... I enjoy watching Canucks hockey again. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I could say I really enjoyed hockey was the bubble, the bubble that sort of all of a sudden drew me in. And when Thatcher Demko comes in for an alien Markstrom and I'm like, Oh no, the one person that made this possible. And then Demko becomes a verb. Yes. Like, you know, you've made it for the right reasons when you're the verb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess it would make for kind of, well, I don't know. Sometimes I I, I, I want to just be more of a fan and react as a fan. As And I don't know if you get this actually. I don't, I'll make this quick, I promise. But I, I think some people, they they label me as media only because of the platform I have. But I always walk them back and say, no, 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 I'm not media, uh, although I respect and have uh, a lot of what the media does and the people in there. But I, I want to be known as a fan. That way I'm kind of uninhibited. I can say what I want and how I want to as opposed to any journalistic uh, expectation, right? Or, 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 
or regulations or whatever the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I'd say you're closer to media than I am, but you know, mm. you raise a very salient point as well as sort of the history of this podcast. You and I got together because we were two guys that just liked creating content, like the sound of our own voice and thought, <laughs> let's just have a conversation like two fans would about the team we enjoyed. And I don't think we've really ever taken ourselves more seriously than just that. Like yeah. I remember when we, we were planning this out, we were looking at the, the podcasts on the scene at the time. Yep. And there were some that were very serious. Mm -hmm. There were others that were not at all serious. Like the, you know, Legion of Blogcast, trust the process as it might have sort of evolved into, but that's perfectly fine. And we wanted to find the middle ground as like, you know, two semi-intelligent guys. Good looking guys. Talking. Yeah, of course. Well, you can say that about yourself. Me, not so much. (laughs) But um, but no, I I think that's what's most important be a fan first, enjoy it for what it is. Um, and Hey, you know what? Like, I, I think someone asked me, well, are you going to be upset if the Canucks don't make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd sort of come to the belief that this season was, was almost written mm-hmm. off, right? Like it had gotten dark and I'm like, Oh man. And then I was like, what's the future going to look like? I don't know. Well, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was for regime change. Yeah. I have not been a Jim Benning guy ever yep like even even when jim got hired i was a gilman guy mm-hmm. and then when gilman got let go i was like a bad decision yeah so you know i've sort of got what i want now if the connects need to rebuild i'm okay with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't want them to but if they have to <laughs> oh well yeah Anywho, uh, it's been a longer show than I actually thought we'd uh, talk, but uh, it's been a while since you and I have gotten together. And if I recall correctly, we were able to spin a yarn back in the day too. Absolutely. So. And I, I didn't ask you for permission, but there's one thing that you and I helped create in my personal calling card at the end of our episodes. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Chris? Power of the five, seven, Do you mind five. if I drop one as my sign off here and then I'll let you do your wrap up? Totally. Awesome. We had Haiku Corner back in the day, and it was something that uh, we created. My love for Japanese poetry, the 17 syllables. So I have one for you, Chris, in appreciation and for all your listeners. Here we go. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. Did not even skip a beat. It's C4 for life. Oh, that's good. The true power of the 5.7. I miss the power of the 5.7.5. I would bring it back. If I thought it would work without, <laughs> well, th- but it I'll wouldn't. take that as a compliment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean it's it's good to have you back. I know we've talked about this, um, you know, on previous shows. Are like, oh, we should get you back more. Regularly. I I think we should. Like, I I really enjoy our our, our time, our, our ability to just you know talk about things, despite you being a Richmond Colt <laughs> and me being a Steeston Packer. That's true. Right. Although your high school still exists. Mine, not so much. So I guess you win. Oh, no. You, you've you amalgamated to a superpower now. <laughs> that's, <just a> <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, a, that's what happened, I guess. You know, live long enough that you, you evolve. There you go. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's been good to have you on, and, and hopefully we can figure out a, a way to, to get you back in uh, more frequently. I mean, I know, again, you're a YouTube celebrity uh, media superstar, and your your calendar's pretty full. But I'll, I'll talk to your people, and and see if they answer the phone when I call. Well, I appreciate you the invitation. And yes, I will always pick up the phone when you call or text or tweet or whatever the cool kids do these days. And um, I 
in all seriousness, without getting all sentimental, I, I hold you and Anna and the team in high regard. I love what you guys are doing. And uh, I never forget where I started to. And it's not like I've progressed much since then, but but I do I do appreciate it. And hey, I bet you it's youtube.com slash Canuck Clay. It is, yes. See, we don't have that for C4. <laughs> Mine is youtube.com slash blah, 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 blah. Thank you, brother. So, but anytime you've made uh, filling in or a- adding or whatever you need me to do, I'm always here for you, brother. And thank you to all the listeners for supporting back in the day and all the way up until now. Keep on supporting Chris and Anna. They are doing some really good work. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so we are going to wrap the show up. Uh, as uh, we talked about earlier, the C4 text line always open 604-200-6201. You can also drop into the conversation in C4 Discord. That's discord.io slash C4 podcast. And obviously we're on social media at the C4 podcast on Twitter and facebook.com slash C4 podcast. Uh, I will be back again next week with another special guest or two or three or four. I don't know. I mean, Squadcast, which is what we use, gives us the power to have four people connected. So we'll see what I can wrangle up. Anna is still going to be away, but knowing her, she'll probably find a way to get her two cents in. But on behalf of myself, Chris at Lightforce, Clay at Canuck Clay on Twitter or youtube.com slash Canuck Clay. Check out his channel if you haven't done so already. I'm going to sign off the Chris and Clay's Canucks commentary brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com with We Out.